I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 1st of November, 2010. It's amazing how time is certainly flying. Now, I always start off the show by advising the new listeners to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the hundreds of hours of talks I've put up there in audio form. And while you're at it, too, bookmark the other sites you see listed. They're handy if you find sticking on the com sites because a lot of folk go in at one time to do downloads, and uh, you might find it easier picking these alternate sites. They're all listed there. They all also have a lot of transcripts in English for print-up of the talks as well, and if you want transcripts in other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, which is also listed in the com site, and, and take your pick from the, the varieties shown. And remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on the advertisers I'm not backed by them. The ads you hear in this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN to pay for their broadcast time, to pay for the staff and equipment and their bills. So you can help me with mine and uh, hopefully buy the books and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office. You can send cash. So we'll just send the cash. Uh, you can send, um, use PayPal for donations or to purchase. If you want to purchase any materials, just send in the PayPal donation, followed by a, an email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, same idea. You've got the addition of Western Union. Some people still use it. It's a bit expensive. Um, MoneyGram is cheaper. They can wire uh, certainly, and cheaper still is MoneyGram if you get a check form. They can make it out in Canadian dollars right there in Britain or wherever, and you can post it. It'll take seven days or so and get here okay, and that's fine as well. So that is the, the main ways to do uh, things to keep me ticking over, and that's what does ticking over. And for those who don't donate, please do, because you certainly listen to the stuff every night of the week pretty well, five nights a week. Uh, year after year, and I know so because it's up on websites all over uh, the world the following day and no one thinks to donate to me. It's the same people over and over again. I've even got one youngster who's been donating for, t- donating for two years and he sends me a dollar, a dollar per week. And believe you me, it's not too small. If everybody did that, I'd be laughing here and I wouldn't have so many worries. So help me out. Uh, things aren't as free as you think. And that which is free um, is generally suckering you into something else or somebody else's financing big bucks behind it. Because, as you well know, money doesn't grow in trees. It comes out of the imaginations of the guys that run the banking systems. So the New World Order is pretty well up and running. Uh, someone sent me a link, which I've seen before, and I might put up the from my archives the, the whole bunch of the series um, of Yuri Bresmanov who was a Soviet agent who came over to the other side, as they say, 
and he explained the technique of how America and the West was being taken down uh, during the different stages of uh, demoralization, the creation of apathy, and the creation of a form of liberalistic thoughts that would completely indoctrinate the next uh, intake into universities, uh, who would become themselves the next uh, teachers in universities. And he says once that's happened, it's pretty well over. It can take up to 15 to 20 years for that to happen. And that happened ages ago, he said, back in the 70s or 80s. It already happened. And he says they're now contaminated. They, you, you just not matter how much evidence you give to them, you'll never decontaminate their thinking. They're in automatic mode. And uh, that has happened too. The big boys are running your countries, although they don't really run the countries. They do what their masters tell them quite happily, though. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and what's interesting is that everything really that was predicted a long time ago and written about too by a a lot of big players in the past, it's all come to pass really. And we've gone gone public-private as they say in this new feudal system which Carl Quigley talks about, the professor Carl Quigley who wrote Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American establishment to, to show you that there was a group who had worked down through time, basically, and he traces their origins from at least uh, that when they changed their name to the Milner Group and then to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and then he traces all the different works they did, the creation of wars in Africa to try to get an African bloc, and by the way, they're still working on an African bloc to eventually join with the rest of the European community. There's been articles in the paper recently. They sent out emissaries for many years working on Australia, New Zealand, and the Far East to create an Asia-Pacific rim uh, block, a region. And they had two or three front groups, actually. They didn't want to use their name, so they they called it the the Institute for Pacific Studies and another couple of organizations as well. It was all actually the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they pulled it all pretty well off. The same thing for the Americas that comes from the Foreign Relations branch of the same organization was to work out the, the complete unification of the Americas. And that's why we had the free trade negotiations, which is supposed to help integrate all our trade policies and eventually what has happened already, our taxing policies for imports. We shared them with the U.S. All intelligence is shared with the same computers being used by the FBI and RCMP and CSIS. And um, we're, we're pretty well integrated as far as we know, but some a bit a bit with the way to go yet before they can have a single government to run all of the Americas. They, they talked about it during the free trade negotiations that they would have a parliament at that time. They said they might situate it in Montreal. So it's all been discussed. I've no doubt the plan will go ahead because these guys never change their plans. There's, there's the, why should they? They're, in complete, they're the complete masters of the universe. And that's how they see themselves right now. They're on a roll. And they have deculturalized the countries. They have helped to demoralize the countries. And they've created an apathy as well through the, through the taking away of all your great factories, uh, the car industries, all of that kind of stuff that kept the, the countries going. Uh, that was planned to happen. And all your other factories went to China through agreements they signed through the World Trade Organization, especially the GATT Treaty, 
and insurance blazes up and up they went. They uprooted their factories and went off to China, knowing darn well they were going to replace uh, the work at home with nothing. The workers would have nothing to walk into, uh, and they couldn't, didn't have an intention of retraining millions of people to do the same few jobs that remained. So nothing happens by chance. And because of this planned financial crash, which is the next part of, of course, to rise or raise the the, the IMF up to its proper position, as it was intended to do, as the big uh, governing body for every nation's bookkeeping, by the way. They want to do your bookkeeping for you. They've already demanded it for Europe, and they'll do the same thing for the Americas. Interesting enough, too, uh, that um, I think it was um, Gordon Brown, the ex-Prime Minister of Britain, has to go over to Washington and be stationed there to work with IMF for the American plan. They're part of it. Since he wrecked Britain very well, he's going to help finish off America. And I'm not kidding about that. They, that's, what, that's why they're sent. They know what they're doing. This is a big plan. And so here we have this public-private strange game where these institutions, these private organizations run the world. They have for a long time. We've never had democracy we had the illusion of it, and that was all. But uh, they run all of the media, too. All the big moguls belong to the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Trilateral Commission. The trilaterals in the CFR are just branches, major branches of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So where would they have, naturally, this global uh, uh, conference to do with the IMF coming up to its full status as the world's manager of all its money? Uh, then they would have it in Chatham House, the headquarters of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So from their own website, it says Global Financial Forum is to be held on the third, two days away. The New Global Economic Order is the title of it, the New Global Economic Order. And I'll put this up on my website too at the end of the night, and you can link to it and have a look for yourself. But it says here, uh, they give you the speaker highlights, um, uh, who will be kicking it off, the different people who will be talking there. Andrew Balls, of course, they like the, that uh, sort of thing, they're base people, these characters. Um, and uh, it's quite interesting, they've got Jamil Baz, Chief Investment Strategist, GLG Partners, LP. And um, Andrew Balls is the Managing Director of PIMCO, P-I-M-C-O. They have... Uh, Olivia Blanchard, Blanchard, Chief Economist, International Monetary Fund. So there's the IMF there, you see. Uh, this has not been held for under governmental auspices, but all the governments are attending this private organization that runs the world. Uh, Engel Estrada, Director General of Macroeconomic Analysis and International Economics, Ministry of Economy and Finance, Spain. Sir John, I think it's Giev, Sir, uh, which is uh, Senior Advisor, GLG, and former Deputy Governor of the Bank of England. Uh, he's no lightweight either, is he? Uh, Al Andrew Haldane, Executive Director for Financial Stability, Bank of England. Mark Hoban, MP, uh, Financial Secretary, Her Majesty's Treasury. Interesting, too, they still say Her Majesty's Treasury, not the British Treasury or the UK Treasury. It's Her Majesty's Treasury. Uh, Dr. Gian Julius, Chairman, Chatham House. Uh, Marcus Kerber, Director General, uh, Fiscal Policy and Macroeconomic Affairs, Federal Ministry of Finance for Germany. 
um, Alina Parnarici, or Parnarici, Member of Parliament, Constituency State, PASOK, Greece. Uh, Randall K. Quarles, Randall Quarles, uh, Managing Director of the Carlyle Group. So there's the Carlyle Group in there too, all the big players, all the big front groups. And Alfredo Nains, Second Vice Chairman and CEO of Banco Santander. Paulo Sabushi, Research Director, International Economics at Chatham House. All the big players are there. John Varley, Group Chief Analysis at Barclays. That's the Barclays Group of Investment Companies and Banks. Uh, Nicholas Veron, who is the Resident Scholar at Bruegel. Uh, William R. White, Chairman of the Economic and Development Review Committee, the OECD Paris. Very important organization, the OECD. Um, it's because every country who signed on to the UN has a branch of that working out of their government, uh, overseas economic um, something in development fund is they take your tax money and invest it into their own private international corporations in supposedly third world countries to help the third world people, of course. And then Professor uh, Yeo uh, Yang, who is China Center for Economic Research. So even China's in on this big one. And um, as I say, it's to be held on the third. And this gives you some of the, the different art, different topics they'll be bringing up but that's the title of it, as I say. It's the New Global Economic Order. You see? Why not bring it through this private organization that runs all the governments uh, rather than uh, go through uh, your own parliaments or congresses? So that's the way the world really is run. And I have another little article here, just, just an offside uh, here. We know that Aspartame has changed its name. Remember, Aspartame was flogged by the company uh, that had the CEO uh, of Mr. Rumsfeld at the time who pushed it. Never got any politics. He pushed it through uh, to get it put into law that was all safe and all the rest of it. And it's had a terrible effect on people's health, especially the children. And they know this too. It certainly tames them down. Maybe that's why the, the, the Aspar tame part, isn't it? And um, it says here they've given the go-ahead to put it in all kinds of foods now. Uh, because it's got a bad name and, and soft drinks and all the rest of it. So this this other link I'll, I'll put up there will explain all that to you. All of it's from the Codex Alimentarius, us.net.web. And it says, um, it's called it's still called a flavor enhancer, by the way, and a sweetener. And it says here, they're putting it now in dairy-based drinks, flavored and or fermented, such as chocolate milk, cocoa, eggnog, drinking yogurt, whey-based drinks, and so on. And it tells you how much they're going to put in, 600 milligrams per kilogram. Beverage whiteners, uh, that's the stuff, that's the awful stuff some people use in their coffee, uh, 6,000 milligrams per kilogram, so it's very high in there. Uh, cream analogs, 1,000 milligrams per kilogram. Milk and cream powder analogs, 2,000 milligrams per kilogram. Unripened cheese, 1,000 milligrams per kilogram. Cheese analogs, 1,000 micrograms or milligrams per kilogram. Dairy-based desserts, that's all puddings, fruit or flavored yogurt, and so on and so on. Put 1,000 milligrams in there. Fat emulsions, mainly of type of oil and water, including mixed and or flavored products based on fat emulsions. Then there's fat-based desserts, excluding dairy-based dessert products of food categories, and then they tell you the food categories. Edible ices, including sherbet and sorbet. And I guess that's icicle or popsicles, call them here. 
f- frozen fruit, 2,000 milligrams per kilogram. Dried fruit, 2,000 milligrams per kilogram. Uh, fruit and vinegar. Now, why didn't you put this stuff in fruit? Huh? You see, there's other reasons for all this stuff's going into the, into the food supply, believe you me. Uh, they put, uh, also fruit and vinegar, oil or brine, canned or bottled pasteurized fruit, jams, jellies, marmalades, uh, 1,000 milligrams per kilogram, fruit-based spreads, and candied fruit, 2,000 milligrams. So I guess that's what they'll put in with all the other stuff you get in all your candies. Um, you've already got all the soya flour in the, the candies, now they put it in everything. So it's on, it's on board with the agenda, we'll all die off with cancers. And we're dying off pretty well with them as it is, apparently, but not fast enough, according to Mr. Rockefeller's last general meeting. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, there's so much news out there, but it's all trivia. Most of it's trivia, and most of it really is almost irrelevant. You get a kind of nose for what's relevant, what isn't, after a while when you're scouring so much news, and you realize a lot of it is filler, a lot of it's recycled news. A lot of it, yeah, it might be appropriate in some areas where people stick on the one topic and, and it adds to that, uh, that topic's information. But... Um, Really, we're going at such a pace now, so fast as everything's being implemented quickly, um, that they don't tell us all the big things that are happening, and um, they're giving us lots and lots of trivia. The U.S. is actually worse for it because the U.S., for all of its so many stations across the, the country, yeah, television and radio, are given less news uh, than probably any other people on the planet. And it's, it's rather startling to realize that they're contained that way. It's a containment form where they're meant to think everything's still fine and rosy and all the rest of it, even though a lot of their uh, old cities are getting crushed down, all the old urban areas, and um, they've almost got... Well, they do have ghost towns here and there now. It's just incredible what's happened to them as they've been devastated, and the bankers are going to hit them even harder, apparently, next year, as they uh, have all bought up all these uh, terrible um, mortgages that have been going past through many, so many hands now. They're buying them up for peanuts, the big banks, and they want to go after them next January. And millions more, they say, millions are going to lose their homes. And, and it's quite something, uh, what's actually being allowed to happen. But this is the agenda. I've always said it. They'd flatten America. They'd take it down once this job was almost over. And that's what's happening today. Just incredible but and tragic, tragic to watch what's happening. Tent cities... I watched a DVD at the weekend there about the tent cities that have been springing up all over the place. Quite common now under um, motorways and places and how the people are having to live. And of course, so many of them are still confused. As to, they don't know what we know here on shows like this, what's been happening, how it come to pass, what the agenda is that is trying to survive as best they can. A lot of folk who are at, at the soup kitchens and the food banks are they're working poor. Uh, as well as the unemployed, and they, they're, they're, they're still forking out maybe $800 in rents uh, while they only bring in 900 a month altogether to live on. So they have to go get their foods at food banks, and the food banks now are stretched beyond the crisis level. They have to turn people away, and you can imagine how you'd feel 
uh, turning people away at the end when you've run out of food. That's 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 terrible. This is America. That's America. That's what's, that was planned for America, and it's happened. They knew this all, all this would come, as I say, when they signed the GATT Treaty. And then they used your tax money to fund your own factories to get up and move up and, and, and roots up and go over to China. They paid for the transportation over to China and the retooling and the setting up in China, all paid by the taxpayer who wasn't told a darn thing at the time. And then the companies who set up in China can claim from the government again back home uh, for 10 years for any losses they claim was incurred according to the, the projected profits, what they expected to get. If they didn't get it, they get it made up by the taxpayers again. We're getting raped and plundered and worse. And and people will still go and vote for the same damn system. The same, how can you, people ask me, you know, can we, can we do it by getting the right people? You can't put the right people into the Tower of Babel. It's been there a long time. It was crooked from its foundations. As teetering and tottering with band-aids and superglue holding it together. And it's utterly corrupt. You see, it was taken over a long, long time ago. And then they built this big tower. This new world order. A long time ago, long before Bush Sr. mentioned it. Anyway, here's some of the scams that are happening too. Because the big boys at the top are allowed to do scams and get away with it. And there's no inquiries and there's no courts you can drag them into anyway. And this one is about Chinese companies now who naturally are in on the big greenhouse gas scams, just like the European ones are, who have traded millions of euros of free uh, trading credits that were given by the European Union, that strange big ultra-Soviet secretive organization. They gave them all these free uh, trading cards and they've made millions of it already, even though nothing's been produced. They just make millions by selling them and trading in them. China's the same. Chinese firms blamed in huge greenhouse gas scam. And it says the European Commission is planning to clamp down on a 2 billion euro, which is $2.8 billion, carbon trading scam involving the deliberate production of greenhouse gases, which the fraudulent manufacturers are then paid to destroy. What a wonderful thing, eh? The Climate Change Commissioner, Connie Heidegard, said the use of these carbon permits from the industrial gas projects in China could be banned because of their total lack, total lack of environmental integrity. Well, where's the integrity in the whole con game of greenhouse gases in the first place? It's a political movement, a political agenda. It's nothing to do with what's real. Anyway, it says billions of euros worth of the controversial permits will be used between 2000 or were used between 2008 and 2009 in the European Union's emission trading scheme in which companies must exchange pollution permits for emissions produced. It says the scheme allows uh, some of those permits to be bought or brought in from developing countries. The most popular of these so-called offsets come from projects to destroy the greenhouse gas HFC-23, a byproduct of the manufacturing of the refrigerant gas HCFC-22. The Environmental Investigation Agency said in June that many Chinese chemical companies were manufacturing HCFC-22 primarily to earn money from destroying HFC-23, which can be five times the value of the refrigerant gas that plants are set up to create Great scams. Again, the minds that go round to places you'd never figure out in the first place. Just like the guys that do all the bubbles for financing. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. There's two callers on the line, so I'll try and get them in now. And one is Jay from uh, Ohio. Are you there, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Wow. Finally get to talk to Alan Watt. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of you over the summer as I skate and exercise and think about a lot of stuff. And um, One thing that it's just coming clear over and over. And I know you and Alex say it a lot. Um, is that, yeah, there's these sociopaths that, and that's what they are. You know, I, I work in mental health as a counselor, and I see a lot of the mm-hmm. same kinds of behaviors in what we call the axis, well, the DSM-4 is the manual that A lot of those same traits. Yeah. Are you on a cell phone? Yeah. Here, let me, yeah. Let me take it's, it's crackling a little bit here. I can't make out much. Okay. Is that better? That's better, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's like these sociopaths um, running things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, the more, and I, I read a lot. Um, I got your... You had mentioned the book about foundations. I was sometime at the end of August, and I went out and bought it. Yep. And I'm reading it, and it's like, it's like the the deeper I get into reading about this, like I see how deep the matrix is, and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's been here an awful long time that the foundations have been here for so long, basically directing uh, the direction of the countries. And since they're not listed as political bodies, um, the public don't know about them. We don't vote them in, but here they are telling governments what to do and um, creating the NGOs, all the, the opposition groups to, to protest the different things and so on. And they get no problem getting airtime in, in the television and in the newspapers. And... Um, and people think they're, they're official bodies of, of government or something, but they're not. They're independent uh, bodies altogether. And how can you compete with that kind of propaganda when the foundations have trillions of dollars per annum to spend? Right, right. And it's, it's a lot. It's, it's like a big, well, you know, it's a big distortion campaign. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 in a funny way, it's like the, the, the fatal attraction woman, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, they call the borderlines, <laughs> yeah. and they're just like them because if you uh, do something that the borderlines don't like, or borderlines have their own agenda, agenda along with the antisocials, then they'll smear you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I have a couple clients that are like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On my caseload. Um, but one one thing I, I wonder as I, I listen to you and Alex is. Has there ever been in history, um, a, well, a defeat or a major setback for the elite? Because um, I think you know, there's got to be, these guys can't be invincible. You know, they're very conniving like most crooks and thieves are. You know, they mm-hmm. use their powers the wrong way. Yeah. 
they have had uh, they've had prolonged wars, basically, in certain times in history, very prolonged wars. And uh, to get what they wanted, they had to eradicate the old existing religions at one point, and that was their longest of wars. We had a hundred years' war at one one point in one country, and and on and on it went. Um, to destroy, infiltrate it from within as well, and destroy. They're still doing that today, in fact, infiltrating patriot movements and destroying them. Uh, so it's the same technique. They also hoped after World War One, uh, going to all that trouble to create World War One. They really hoped at that time that uh, President Wilson under the League of Nations would bring in a form of world government then, but the public in most countries were not ready for it. They didn't want it. Uh, they hoped again under World War Two, uh, the end of it, that this was the beginning of the official UN body, and they had so much pomp and circumstance put out on the big path news and all the different movie house uh, um, uh, news items they put out, telling that the, the world that this was the end, this was the end of war, this would be peace, and that the UN would be brought up to a high power in the affairs of the world to do with government or governance. Uh, that didn't work out too well because, again, the public did not want this strangely, um, it's almost an abstract body. It's not a country as such, although it's got official status, as sovereign status. It's based in New York State, of all places. Um, and by, this, by the way, it was, it was demanded they build it in the, in the U.S. The Russians demanded that it was to be built in the U.S. It was very interesting, you know. And, of course, that fitted right in with Mr. Rockefeller's idea, too. So um, you have this body, and the people weren't ready to, to accept uh, a world government then again. And uh, so they've had umpteen many, many wars in between as they went down to Latin America and other countries to standardize those countries. Same across Africa, trying to standardize them all. But now they're doing the Middle East and doing it the long way around. And that's why uh, Bush Sr. said um, he now sees the beginning the coming in, a dawning of a new world order. They've gone around the hard way to do it, not bothering to win or or, or really coax the public along with them, just bypass that until the public are conditioned that it's there, it is a world body, it is the official body, and it's done by osmosis eventually. We accept it, that it kind of is a world body, but it really isn't a private organization, and that's how it's registered. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, I... um. Maybe it was you or someone else <clears throat> was talking, and you know, I, I I'm a musician. I mean, that's not my day job, but in my spare time, that's what I prefer to do. But it's hard to I don't understand how anyone can concentrate on anything. Well, they don't. Most people don't know about all this, but mm-hmm. I find it really hard to to want to spend any time, but to research and and try mm-hmm. and do something about it. You know. Yeah. And, and the hardest thing is, is what do you do about it once you know this, you know? Right, right. Um, I bought some news, newsletter software. I think I'm going to give that a shot. You know, a lot of this stuff is available, but I just feel the need to do my own writing and then just even just, just distribute it to my friends, you know, because at least mm-hmm. they'll listen, you know, and it'll, yes. they'll at least look at it. Maybe that'll spawn something. I don't know. That's <laughs> all you can. I started off by... Writing by hand, I didn't have a typewriter initially, and I would do long um, essays and so on with data, 
put in a few pictures for them and then photocopy them and send bundles them off to different people. And anyone at all, people who already had um, ability to get uh, stuff out in prints or whatever, and once in a while, someone would take it and run with it and print it. And um, that's all I could do at the time. That's all I was thinking of doing. Uh, I was teaching small groups here and there, but um, in much greater detail. But at least I was, I was putting up packages. I didn't charge anything for them at all. And often I never heard back from people, who, but they'd actually ultimately use the material. And um, that kind of thing. But you do what you can. And who, it's amazing what can grow out of just uh, your name getting out there eventually, uh, what does come out of that, and or the people who will try and get in touch with you, if you give them a means to get in touch with you, uh, because it might be one in, in 500 that you actually strike the chord with, and right. and they'll get back in touch with you, yeah. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much time. I um, hope one of these days I'm going to get some of your books. I'm trying to help everybody out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, That's all you can do. I yeah. can't read enough. There's, there's so much. <laughs> there is so much. And again, too, that's part of data overload. That um, uh, We're in that time. There's too much data. You have to be very discerning what you want to teach and try to keep on the, the facts that you can prove by the writings of those involved uh, and just stick to that, stick to that, and stick that to nothing else. Just stick to that, yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, definitely thanks for all your work. I appreciate it because you get right down to what the truth is. There's no no BS, you know, and that's that's what we all need. So that's right. We don't. But uh, but thanks for calling. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thanks for calling. Now there's also Mark from Wisconsin. Are you there, Mark? Hello, Mark. How are you doing, Alan? Not too bad. I was going to ask you, I've heard you mention Bouvier's before. I was wondering, uh, what do you know about Bouvier's and Black's Law Dictionary? Who's all behind that? Well, I know that Bouvier was interesting because Benjamin Franklin, uh, when he went over to London, uh, High Wycombe, and he joined uh, the Hellfire Club, when he was the strangest thing. I mean, here he was basically representing the U.S. during the Revolutionary Wars, he was able to get a boat over to London and back and even went to the opera, you know, and no one stopped him or bothered him. Uh, he had all the right passwords, of course, and gestures and uh, the right friends in London because I think he, he was part of the London group, actually. Um, but anyway, he he mentioned that uh, um, they had not quite what you would call a prostitution house, not what we think of as a prostitution house, but those who served their work and who had the higher intellect and who could learn and who were doing the great work, they call them highly operative Freemasons, um, had the right to mate, because they do believe in, in uh, eugenics. They believe that high intellect should mate with high intellect. And certain women, apparently, they claimed, um, which I think is probably true, carry the genes uh, in them where the right mix is made and they will have a very good, highly intelligent offspring. And they call them dollies. That's why he called them. He called them in his own memoirs, dollies. And he's known too for bringing over a French dolly that became the baby doll, in fact. The baby doll is a representation of what he saw as the average female carrier, which is a dolly. You carry things on a dolly. So again, that, they love that, that hidden symbolism in something. But uh, he mentioned Madame Bouvier was the head one there. And uh, Madame Bouvier, and there's still descendants yet in France, uh, two Bouvier sisters, I think, old sisters. 
and uh, and it was uh, Jacqueline Kennedy was uh, descended from the Bouvier family as well. So she was a carrier of the genes, but they were also related, I think, to to Baines Johnson. And what's interesting there is they go way way back because the Baines part comes from a, a, a um, one of the branches of the the families of Macbeth of all people, you know, the castle Macbeth. Uh, all intertwined together. It's, it's just a story. It's just like the presidents today. They all seem to be related to fam- to royal royalty. Uh, it doesn't matter what party they come from or who they are or the color of their skin. They're always, they're always related to the same royalty. Well, it's the same in this side as well. When it comes to these particular high players, they're all they're all given their their high mates to to get married to. And um, I've read a lot in some of the the high masonry's books, and they they more than just hint at this over and over. Uh, they talk about the head above and the head below. Well, you know what the head below obviously is. That's the, the base side of things. However, they do say that um, the third generation Freemason, that's the grandson. So he's definitely been, he's, he's, he's the son of a Mason and, a, and an Eastern star is a higher candidate to go straight up the ranks of Freemasonry and even higher than the regular ranks. So the third generation is what they're after. So if you're very, very good and you're presented with your wife, who is the, the carrier of the gene, uh, and you're introduced to her and you take the hint and do the right thing, then uh, you're pretty well guaranteed the good offspring, the Lewin, as they call them, who goes on to higher things. Yeah. A Lewis or a Lewin, they call them. Yeah. Right. Hey, I was just floored to find out, uh, you remember William James Bryan? Yeah. Cross yeah. of Gold speech? Yeah. I was just floored to find out, Alan, that he was backed by Carnegie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's just amazing. Uh, and I love the stories, too, of all these, these great founders of the foundations, uh, and uh, even the bankers, too, how they came from rags to riches and all that rubbish, uh, and Carnegie, the same idea. Uh, a little poor little you know shoemaker just makes good and gets billions and starts off the foundations. It's all rubbish. These guys are sent there uh, over to this U.S. and they're, they're they're set up by a big, well-funded organization that already existed. Same with the Rothschilds, and that's why no one could touch them. No one could touch them. No one could assassinate them. And uh, and that's how they had decided a long, long time ago that by their foundations, uh, under the guise of charities they would take over the entire world. Don't forget that even Adam Weishaupt said that. He said that through the creation of foundations and charitable organizations, we shall bypass all governments and become the world, a world government. And didn't Paul Warburg say in front of Congress, we shall have world government either by consent or conquest? That's correct, yeah. Never ends. Thanks a lot, Alan. Have a good night. Thank you, too. But, yeah, <laughs> it's quite the world we live in, isn't it? And, and people are oblivious to it. And again, we get stuck up, up in the daily news, and I don't like that at all, because you've you got to know all the background stuff that, that to, what got us to this situation in the first place. Not just what they're doing to us today, what knives are they sticking on, in us today, but how did, did we get here? And once you really understand, you don't have what you think of as a government that belongs to the people. You have a government that does what it's told by very rich, powerful people and who own uh, not just the foundations, they own massive international businesses uh, and, and they're tightly interwoven with all the military industrial complex. When you understand that, 
you understand that you're living in a scientific form of dictatorship, as Aldous Huxley talked about. Uh, and we are controlled scientifically. Our minds are controlled scientifically. And there's still this underlying eugenics bunch beneath it. Call them what you want. You can call them Freemasons, whatever. Um, it's all the same thing with a definite eugenics plan. Look at the oldest books from the Rosicrucians. You can get them. They're available. They're cheap, I believe. And um, you'll start to see the hints all through that of uh, the proper mating. The proper mating is all through it. Always a proper mating with a proper kind of wife to get the proper son who is then given to the grandmaster to be taught all the things, all the mysteries and so on. And the mysteries are to bring in a better world. Then you look into all of the the communal living associations in the United States. Uh, amazing history of communal living. Christian communists too. They were under the guise of Christian communists. They came in from abroad. They were not Christians at all. But under the Constitution, they had protection and they call themselves Christian communists. And like the big one in New York there, uh, with Charles, with Noyes, Mr. Mr. Noyes, strange name, but you can actually find the root of that name. You'll find he's not Christian at all. And, um, then you find that Mr. Noyes was backed on his big experiment on free love and special selective breeding. In the 1800s, he was backed by the Royalty of Britain, and the Hudson's Bay Company gave them the biggest contract, even though they hadn't even started businesses for making traps. Um, and then they were given a massive silver working company uh, to support themselves with. And then, of course, Noyes' brother-in-law, or sorry, his cousin, uh, just happened, or his uncle, happened to be Mr. Hayes, who was the president uh, of one of the... Um, he was he was a governor who became president of the U.S. It's all tied in together, eugenics and so on. Back after these messages. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. And we'll go to Anthony from New York. Are you there, Anthony? Hello, Anthony. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Thank you very much for everything you're doing right now. And um, I appreciate everything that you've uh, let out there uh, on the airwaves. Uh, The question that I have is, you spoke about the Dalis. Are they still in existence today? And... Uh, also, what would be the the opposite lifestyle that we can live in a in 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 instead of the the new world new world order that they're trying to uh, push against us? The first one was who is still in existence? Uh, the Dalis, the Dalis of uh, the Freemasonry. Oh yeah, they they are. I'm sure they still are still in existence. Absolutely. When you look at the history, even of royalties. Uh, their mates were always selected for them. Because far back as the pharaohs, same thing happened. Uh, sometimes they'd even marry their sisters to keep it really in the family. The Rothschilds are exactly the same. They always marry their nieces. Um, so certain people, certain of these families, that's one of their MOs, how you can spot them, uh, the, of their particular marriage habits too. Um, but yeah, they're still in existence today. And um, the, the higher Freemasons still... Uh, are advised to, you know, your, your grandmaster, for instance, will invite you to a dinner or something, uh, and he'll introduce you to what is to be your your prospective wife. And if you take the hint, as I say, you'll do awfully well. You're going to have doors open to you, get well rewarded for it. 
and you'll go up the ladder in whatever occupation you're in. And it's really the son that they're after, though, because the wife is definitely a dolly, as they say, and it belongs to the right, uh, the right uh, lineage. Yeah. Wow, wow. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. It's interesting, even if you look at the King James Bible, uh, and it was first published in Scotland, remember, in Edinburgh, and I have a copy of it here, and it, it mentions uh, the late Queen Elizabeth I dying. They called her that bright eastern star, you know, and 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 the, and the foreword to it by the printers, and uh, that she, you know, that bright star. And then they talk about uh, King James, and now we have our new Zion, spelt with an S, not not an S C I O N, which is a cutting, also Masonic term, as you're grafted on the tree of life if you've done the good work, the great work. But it's a Zion, because he used to spell not Zion, it's a Z. Uh, often in English they did a, an S. So he was a, Z, a Zion, uh, as the king, that was his title. So she was the, the star, and he, he was the new coming uh, um, Zion. So th- th- this has been all down through history, this kind of stuff. And yeah, this, they're still mated up today. All the big players you'll find... Uh, um, that are put out there that are supposed to change the world, the gates and so on. It's interesting to go into uh, their, their wives and all the rest of it. And again, too, you can hide family names of their actual names by Mrs. So-and-so you know, and, and put the front guy out there. It's the, often it's the wives that are very more important because of their lineages. Uh, and there's also uh, Stephen from Oregon there. You there, Stephen? Hello? I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Uh, anyways, um, Alan, it's a pleasure to hear there, right? Yep. Okay, it's a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Hey, I called in, I was compelled because of the, uh, another caller. He's a musician. And mm-hmm. I know I can see that he is so frustrated. And, and, and yeah. I'm saying, me, you know, because we're just learning this stuff. Um, I knew it all my life, but it gets kind of hard. And it, it, it's very interesting to... Man... It's very interesting to find what do I do? What do I do with this? You know, and, yeah. and we can be uh, survivors. We can, we can write music. We're so confident. You can. We have the talents and the skills if we can get it out there. And you're absolutely right on. And um, we've got to get a concentrated movements, a counterculture to put across alternate music with the messages in it. But thanks for calling. That's the music in at the end of the show. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.